this morning before you you're awesome in this place mighty God you have given us of your grace and of your omnipotence oh Lord oh it was you that said Lord that if we would surrender ourselves that omnipotence is ours and father this morning in the presence of your Shekinah in this August presence, your people, Lord, worship you and welcome you. Oh, how we welcome you. How we honor you this morning, almighty God. Lord, how we need your touch, how we need your spirit in our meetings, oh God. We publicly confess our need for you. We need you, oh God. Lord, we need your word of faith and of truth and your spirit to move among us. As we see it moving here this morning, oh God, I pray that you'd just reach out even into the land where those that are watching this morning, may you touch their lives. Hearts are crying across the world, Lord, desiring a touch of your anointing, your spirit, oh God. I pray that we not hinder thee, oh God, nor we restrict thy way, oh Lord. But may we release the anointing of God this morning by your word, oh Lord. May you pour yourself out upon your church, upon your people, oh God. Father, may you touch the needs. May you heal the sick. May you save the lost, oh God. May you show your omnipotence among us this morning, Lord. May there not be one sick body left among us, Lord. We welcome you, oh God. We welcome you now. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. We thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. God bless you this morning. What a wonderful time to come and serve the Lord together. Amen. Do you love him this morning? Amen. Isn't he a wonderful and mighty God? <laughs> oh, my. We, we thank the Lord today. Amen. We are uh, so honored to be here with you and and believe that the Holy Spirit has something wonderful in mind. Amen. I just had uh, got a, a little text from Brother Ron Spencer this morning. And 
he just sent a word to me and said the Lord just told him that the Spirit of God would sweep through the building and that we would have a, a real meeting here this morning. He said, go, go expecting it, Brother Wayne. Listen for it to come. And, and my, if he hasn't already swept through here. <laughs> Amen. We welcome it too. Amen. Hallelujah. The prophet of God said five minutes in that presence means more than all the years a man could spend in school. Amen. His word is life. And we want to greet each one of you from Brother Erickson and the family and the church in a true word. We want to say God bless you. And amen. And uh, we want to greet each one of them that are listening this morning. And amen. And I just want to, to take to the word of the Lord this morning. And uh, just a few things uh, to speak to you today from our hearts. And if we go to the book of Revelations, we'd like to look in the third chapter. Uh, I, I think that it's a, a powerful time that we live. And uh, I want to read here from the 20th verse and uh, down to the 22nd verse. Uh, Revelation chapter 3. For behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Now to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. Now I want you to realize this is the first age that's been offered this. To sit with me in my throne as I overcame and sat down with my father in his throne. Now he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Amen. We ask the Lord to bless his word today as you may be seated. I, I want to just take a, a little thought from this today and speak to you on speak what the Spirit saith. On speak what the Spirit saith. I, I uh, think of today of the grace that we have of having the message of the hour to be able to have a prophet of God at the age that, uh, that we have seen uh, such outstanding manifestations and vindications of the omnipotence of God. I believe that we're standing in a position where we've been able to see more of the power of God than any age since the time that Jesus Christ himself walked upon the earth. More vindications of his resurrection and his power and of his anointing. We, we've been blessed to be, have this kind of seat. Amen. And to be able to see. And I think sometimes that, of course, as the message churches and the uh, men of God around the world seem such a, a display of the power of God in a prophet that many times that they get to looking at the prophet maybe a little more than they're looking at the one who was behind the prophet. And, uh, and that's one thing I, I, I never want to lose focus of what it is that we're actually doing and what William Branham was introducing to the church was a true Christianity. It was a true power. It was a true, uh, a true view of the resurrected Jesus Christ. And Brother Branham again and again will let us know that it wasn't him. It wasn't him. And that, I think that is so amazing uh, that he would say, even anointed ones in the end time, Brother Branham will say, I wasn't the one that appeared down on the river 
I was only standing there when he appeared. And I'm not the one that performs these things and foretells these things as they happen as perfect as they are. I'm only the one that's near when he does it. I was only a voice that he used to say it. It wasn't what I knew. It's what I surrendered myself to. Now that he spoke through me, it isn't me. It wasn't the seventh angel. Oh, no. It was a manifestation of the Son of Man. Amen. And to think that Brother Branham would show you that the, the thing that he was uh, projecting, what he was saying was, is this is not me, friends. This is what I'm surrendering to. And to think that a man who could so surrender himself to God, that God could operate like that through a human being, not through an angel, not through a man without mistakes, not through a man without trouble, but through a human being that God could so manifest himself because man is designed that he's able to surrender to the great anointing of God and that God could show his resurrection power through a human being. And I, I think of that today because I realize that a, a prophet is trying to tell the church in the in the church age book and he'll go through and tell us that there will come in the last days there'll come spirits in the land there'll be invasions and invasions of Ara and be invasions of every kind of spirit uh, the, the as the scripture says amen that hell will be renewed from beneath and and it will enlarge its borders and we know that a prophet would announce the god of this evil age and he would say it's satan's eden and he would say hell is bullying over so all these things are pouring out into the age that we're living in and and he would specifically say that the antichrist spirit amen above all the things he wants to do is he wants to make you lukewarm formal and powerless he said but now if the if the true church the true bride is able to to discern the antichrist spirit that works within the framework of the church. If she could discern that spirit, but not just discern it, she should be able to withstand it. Not just discern, but to withstand that antichrist spirit, which is only a religious spirit. And a religious spirit to take away the fire, to take away the power of God, to take away the reality of a resurrection. And I say that because, amen, that he is able to give us a place that we're, that we're able to say that someone in this last day will discern it and withstand that spirit. Now, the prophet will tell us that those spirits are here. Questions and answers. He'll say that those, uh, those spirits, those demon powers, he said they're actually powerless until they can find a body. Do you know the devil is powerless until he can find somebody to work through? Amen. And that's what the prophet is telling us, that if we could keep the devil from finding something to work through, he would be powerless. Is that right? Amen. Now think about this, because then the prophet of God said, with that in mind, of course, he says it brings us to another thought that the Holy Spirit covers the earth, but it's almost helpless until it gets into you and me. God is depending on you and I. The Holy Spirit, the earth is full of the Spirit of God. But it's poured out, but it cannot operate until it comes into us and we human beings will operate. Amen. To think today that God is saying to the church, he's looking for eyes, he's looking for legs, he's looking for hands, he's looking for bodies, he, he is looking for mouths, he's looking for someone, amen, that the Spirit of God can claim them and use them for the glory of God. Now we've got to recognize then there's two spirits trying to operate. There's two spirits trying to find vessels. 
Amen. And both of those spirits need that to operate or to become powerful. Amen. In this in this uh, dimension that we're living in. Now the prophet of God said, of course, we're going to have to them to resist the devil. And then he will flee from us. See, not only just discerning, but resisting. And the prophet of God said to resist that devil means to turn him down. To resist him, just to walk away from him. Amen. Uh, God said a certain thing, no matter what he's trying to tell you, don't you even listen to him. You have ears and, and your ears are deaf to anything else but what the Spirit says. Now to he that hath an ear listens now. See what the Spirit saith unto the church. And the one that's got the listening post, let him catch what the Spirit says to the churches. Now I think it's amazing that the prophet begins to tell us, amen, that the spirit of the devil is powerless unless he can get into something. And then he tells you to resist the devil is to turn him down, or in other words, not to listen to the devil. So how does the devil really approach the church? He approaches it through word, but before it's a word, it's a thought. And a spirit places thoughts into the mind or into the life of a person and then either they give life to that thought or they kill that thought in the channel or the womb of the mind. Now we find out a prophet is saying then someone is going to have to learn how to recognize the thought of the enemy and turn it down while it's still in the thought process, amen, and kill it, resist it, and then resist the devil and say to him, you can't work through me. I'll tell you this morning, I pray, amen, that we have the church of the living God. And, and, and right here this morning, I pray that the devil is out of a job. I pray that the church has come together this morning to say, you're not going to work through me. The devil has a, he has a purpose now to make you lukewarm, formal, and powerless. And I pray this morning that every individual in this assembly will say, amen, that Satan, you're not going to work through me. You're powerless unless you can work through somebody. Amen, I don't know about my brother, but I know about me. You're not going to work through me. You're not going to use my mind. You're not going to use my thoughts. You're not going to use my voice. You're not going to use my action. Matter of fact, amen, this morning maybe somebody has allowed him to do so, but I say with you this morning, you are to sell the devil, you're fired. I tell you what a blessing this morning to be able to fire the devil. Amen. Amen. Can you imagine I tell you this, if you start firing the devil, you know what he's going to say to you? But I've worked here so long, you can't fire me. But listen, you've been given the power and the authority this morning as a prophet of God said at some point, the church has a, a authority like the Father has and whoever he hires is hired and whoever he fires is fired. Let me give it to you in the scripture. Whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose of the earth shall be loosed in heaven. There is an authority in the church of the living God that you have the power to fire the devil this morning. However he's working, however he's trying to work, you can fire him this morning. And I know that devil well enough to know he don't want to go by himself. Amen. And he's going to say to you, but I worked for your mama. I worked for your daddy. I worked for your grand. I've worked for your family for years. But you're going to have to tell the devil, don't matter how long you work for us, you're fired this morning and you'll never work for my family again. Amen. Pack your bags. 
take off. Amen. You're not welcome here. We're not going to, and we're not going to make a, a severance package with you. Amen. We're going to destroy you. We're going to burn every remnant that you are. Amen. We're going to fire that devil. I think it ought to be a, 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 a day today that we ought to fire every devil, every devil of depression, every devil of nervousness. You ought to say you're out of a job this morning. Amen. You ought to tell that devil, go back where you come from, Satan. Amen. This is not your home. You may think I'm overboard, but the prophet of God used the story in the Bible when he said that Jesus came to the demons in Gardea. Remember the, the man who was in the tombs and he was naked, cutting himself, chained there. And Jesus went there and he delivered that man. Remember? And he said to the devil, go. And what did the devil say? Amen. Amen. The prophet of God said, Satan asked if he could stay. The Bible said he asked if he could stay. Amen. And he just wanted a vessel to get into. Amen. Which Brother Branham uses to prove that Satan is powerless without a vessel. So since he couldn't get a human body, amen, he took an animal body and he run that herd of swine out into the, out into the lake and killed it. So it tells you this, amen, that if the devil can get a hold of something, he will destroy it. He will destroy everything that he touches. Amen. But I'll tell you this, amen, that Jesus gave power to the church, that they was able to say to Satan, amen, that you have no power to work here, amen, and you have been given that authority this morning. Now, you don't have to listen to the devil. Now, there's some people you're going to have to listen to, but you don't have to listen to the devil. Amen. Can I get some audience participant? I want you to say to somebody, you don't have to listen. Amen. Amen. Isn't that, isn't that good, young people? There's somebody you don't have to listen to. Amen. The devil starts talking to you. You can tell him like one of the boys back at the church. He'll say this, not my mama. <laughs> Somebody tells one of them young boys, you got to do this or that. He'll say, not my mama. And I'll tell you what, when the devil says something to you, all you got to say, not my Lord. <laughs> You're not my God. You have no right to even talk to me. Amen. Listen, you can fire the devil this morning and leave him unemployed. Amen. Now, we're taught that we can resist the devil. Just resist it. No matter what he's trying, you don't even have to listen to him. You can just resist him. Amen. In other words, you can deafen your ear to him. Amen. So you have a prophet saying that you don't have to listen. But you've got to have an ear for what the Spirit says. Amen. Now, the Scripture is telling us that the one that has an ear is also the overcomer. Now, isn't that beautiful? The one that can listen to the word is also the overcomer. The word will make you an overcomer. The word will put you in victory. The word will put you over your enemy every time. I think of this because the scripture says in that Laodicean age that he knew there would be some overcomers in there. And he said to he that overcometh. Now, of course, we realize that this scripture was written 2,000 years ago. But it was written about somebody. Amen. Now don't think that when he said to he that overcometh that God has an empty mind and he don't know who that's talking about. Because in the book of Matthew, the 20th chapter, we found that they said to Jesus, 
They actually said to him, put me on your left hand and put me on your right hand. The mother of Zebedee's children, Zebedee and John, and they actually asked, and Jesus said, I can't give you that position. For it is prepared for them which my father has given it. And the prophet of God said, that's for that word bride, the overcomer of the Laodicean age. So you can see 2,000 years ago, somebody was trying to take your seat and Jesus was saying, oh no, that's a special age, a special time, and it can only be given to a certain people. Now the prophet will tell us, of course, in John 17, of the foreknowledge of Jesus, when he said, Father, glorify them with thine own self for the glory which I have with thee before the world was. Brother Bram reads John 17 and tells us that Jesus had foreknowledge of his own disciples. In Ephesians chapter one, he will read it with Paul and he'll say, now according as he has chosen us with him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now, Paul talks about pre-existence, a predestination in God and so does Jesus talk about it Amen, but Brother Branham brings these two scriptures together to help us. Now, in, in Questions and Answers to Genesis 1953, Brother Branham actually says, when God created me, William Branham, I was before the foundation of the world. He made my being, my spirit. I wasn't conscious of anything as far as I know of. He said, but I was there. And I, I don't believe you're getting it now, but just wait a minute. Jesus told the disciples that he knew them before the foundation of the world. And Paul said that he chose us in him before the world began. So he just tied them two scriptures together. Now, some part of me, Ormond Neville, the rest of all of you here, I like to include myself, don't you? And the rest of all of you here that's in Christ Jesus before the world ever began. And here's my analysis of that. I like analysis, you know, amen, there's a lot of analysis and there's a lot of people gives analysis, but here is a prophetic analysis. Here's when a prophet analyzes what this means. He says, here's my analysis. I think that the people today that are possessed with this spirit or or this spirit, a part of those angelic beings, a spirit which rotated off of God that never fell in the beginning and resisted the devil's lie in heaven. Now look what he's saying. He's tying together Ephesians 1, John 17, and also Revelation 3, that overcomer, and he's tying it to a spirit that was in heaven that anointed the angels that come from God, and that spirit was a spirit that resisted the devil. Now, notice this because, again, Brother Adam will bring it up. He says, and the spirit that's joined with God is one spirit. See, there's not 40 spirits of angels and God and and the spirit that's in you. Ask yourself sometime, where did God get Eve's spirit? He took it out of Adam. And where did God get the spirit that's in the church? He took it out of Jesus Christ. So the spirit that was in Jesus Christ come from his father. We don't believe in 40 spirits. There is one spirit, one faith, one Lord, one God. He is one spirit. Now, you say, well, seven spirits, but those spirits come from one spirit, and that's eternal life for almighty God. That spirit that was in the beginning is the same spirit that's in your life today. The prophet of God said that spirit that dwells in the church is the spirit that come from heaven. 
that God knew before the foundation of the world that rejected the devil's lie. Can you imagine that the spirit that God sent from heaven to anoint you was to tell that devil you're a liar? Amen. That you cannot receive the lie of the devil because you're anointed to reject it. My, when I think about that, the spirit had to take a body of flesh for testing, had to come and flesh like others. Now, God, by the beginning, know the spirits which would and would not, there you are. God in the beginning knew the spirits which would and would not. He knew which side you were going to take. He knew, Brother Brown says he knew, therefore he could predestinate. He said, but by foreknowledge, he could tell you who would be saved and who wouldn't be saved, for he knew which person would take up with which spirit. Amen. God knew which spirit you would take up with. He knew what you would believe. He knew you would believe a lie or he knew you believed truth. Amen. Now look what he's trying to tell you. To he that overcometh, let him hear. Let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the church. Amen. When I think about this, in 1959, why cry? Brother Brandon Clarksville, he'll say this. How does the people accept it? The Holy Spirit has one message. It's speak the word and go forward. That's right. Don't cry to me. Amen. There's the word. Speak it and move forward. Thus saith the Lord. That's the message of the Holy Ghost. To he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is actually saying to the church. Amen. It only has a message. Speak the word and go forward. Now, here's the thing. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 59 that God made a covenant with the church and it would be with your words. And think of this in Patmos vision, Brother Adam will tie it. He'll say, you speak the word and I will perform it. That is my covenant and it can never fail. Now God knew which, which you would take up with. He knew that you would either have a wishbone and you would wish you could be that son or he knew you would have a backbone where you could stand and claim the promises of God no matter what condition you are under. No matter what condition the world is in, the word of God remains true. And he looked at this Laodicean age and he looked at this Laodicean condition and he said, but I got a spirit in there. Amen, I got a spirit in that bride that they will not consider the condition but they will speak the word of God. Oh, I pray to God tonight, amen, this morning that God would awaken the spirit of resurrection in the church that the word becomes true no matter what situation they're in. God didn't give us a wishbone. He gave us a backbone. To stand against every devil, to stand against every instruction that the enemy would try to place in the church, that you would withstand that devil on every move that he would make. Now, I want to say a couple of things. I want it, to, if I can, to make it real crystal clear to you. Amen. If you speak the word, this is my covenant. He said, I will perform it. Now, listen. Amen. Some people are waiting to speak when the church becomes anointed. They're waiting to speak after the church gets thus saith the Lord. Amen. Someday the church is gonna have a great move. But the prophet of God says in Invisible Union right here in Louisiana, he says, see, it's on. 
it's on. The move is on for the bride. That's thus saith the Lord. Listen, we're not waiting for nothing else. The bride has received the thus saith the Lord. People say, well, what about this? What about that? What about this? I can't help none of that. I don't know about the conditions. I don't know about our old bodies. I don't know about the trouble. But I do know that a prophet of God said, the move is on for the bride. Then the spirit that's within me cannot help but to accept what a prophet of God said. And if I have accepted it, I've got a right to turn around and say what a prophet has said about the church of the living God. Can I say some things that are very true? Some things that are very true. In Romans chapter 8, Paul said, In all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors. Now, I know sometimes you would like to think in some things, but Paul didn't say in some things. He said in all things. Amen. We are more than conquerors. Amen. I tell you this morning, you are more than a conqueror. I don't care what's happening. It doesn't matter what kind of situation you're in. I want you to hear what the Spirit says to the church. You are more than a conqueror. Amen. And I tell you this, if you'd fire that devil, you could say the same thing. That old devil of depression and, 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 and uh, how could I say it? That old devil of depression and discouragement. Amen. He would like to keep you from receiving the fact that you are more than a conqueror to point out your weakness, to point out your trial, to point out the insecurity, to point out all the little problems and the weaknesses in your flesh. Amen. To get you to focus on the wrong part of you. If he can take your focus from the word part and put it on the human part, then he'll keep you bound the rest of your life. But if you would ever start recognizing that before there was a world, before there was a star, before there was a moon, before there was an earth, there was a God. And I'm a part of that God. And he came into this flesh. And now deity is on the inside of a human vessel. Ah, change your focus this morning. Leave the flesh and move into the spirit of God. Amen. If you'd let the spirit begin to speak to you, you would begin to hear you're more than a conqueror. You would begin to hear the spirit say to you, it's time to throw down this devil. It's time to cast him down. It's time to destroy this devil. Now, just in case you think that was isolated to the Romans, Paul said to the Philippians, I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me. I can do all things. Now there's a devil telling you this morning that you can't. Amen, there's a devil this morning saying, but that, but that situation, but this, but this. Now, now you gotta recognize that the devil has a way that he just wants to bring reasonable doubt. He don't have to disprove the word. He don't have to disprove the promise. He just wants you to reasonably doubt that that is actually possible in your life. But the Bible coming from the words of Jesus Christ said, amen to him that believeth. All things are possible unto him that believeth. Then there is nothing that is impossible with the church of the living God. Amen. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Nothing impossible in Philippians 4. I can do all things. Amen. Say it with me. All things. Anything that says something different than that is a lie of the devil. And 
I am here to resist him in every area I can. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you what, I believe there's a line of resistance. I believe there's a resisting group of people today called the bride of Jesus Christ that they tried to stomp us out. They tried to silence us. They tried to shut us up. But we still are going to resist this devil. As long as we are on the earth, we have a resistance against the spirit of the enemy that could say, well, you can do all things but this. But see, we can do all things. Now, anything contrary to that is a lie. Amen. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. As it is written, I've made thee the father of many nations. For before him we believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as they were. If you hear Brother Branham quote this, he uses this every time as Abraham. He'll say, Abraham called things that were not as though they were. But if you read the scripture, it ain't talking about Abraham, it's talking about God. Amen. So I got to think, well, maybe Brother Ram just read it differently than, and, and just perceived it differently. And I, I read and found where Brother Ram said it just like Romans said it. And, and he said it, then he said it with Abraham. Until I began to realize that Abraham had so communicated with God until he began to take on the nature of God. And if God said it was this way, Abraham said it was that way. There was no difference in the confession of Abraham and the confession of God. Though his wife was barren, he was still professing to be a father. Though his body was incapable, he was yet saying it was going to be anything contrary to that is a lie. Now, I want you to know this morning, you've got to be able to recognize something contrary to the word as a lie. It's not a misunderstanding. It's not a reasonable doubt. It's a lie. Anything that takes the privilege and the redemptive right of the bride of Christ and minimizes, dilutes, waters down, tries to rob, that is a lie and it comes from the devil. And you say, Brother Wayne, I heard one of the preachers say it like, are you calling him a devil? Oh no, the spirit coming out of him is though. I don't care who he is. I don't care where he's from or what he's saying. If he takes a redemptive right from this bride, he is a thief and a robber. And the devil come to steal, kill, and destroy. You say, well, that's pretty rough. No, it's just like Jesus preached. Because when he was talking to Simon Peter, he, he told him, he said, thy name is Simon. Next thing you know, he knew who Jesus was. He said, your name is Peter. Next thing you know, Peter said that deity couldn't suffer in the flesh. He didn't think that Jesus, being the Christ, could suffer on a cross. And Jesus rebuked him and called him the devil. Amen. He gave him a good name, gave him the rock of revelation, and then told him that he was the devil. He rebuked the wrong spirit coming out of Peter. And I believe any spirit that comes out of us, amen, that's contrary to the word of God, we ought to just rebuke that spirit and call it a lie from the devil. I tell you this morning, there's so many voices. Now there's so many voices and there's so many voices in the earth that it's absolutely a hard thing because it deadens the voice of the supernatural. I'm, I'm, quote, I'm quoting Brother Brown now. Amen. It deadens the voice of the supernatural because there's so many voices. Now watch. Brother Brandon said Lot's wife was destroyed because she loved the pleasures of Sodom greater than the voice of the angel. Do you see? Watch today how Hollywood voices are putting pressure on the people. 
Hollywood is trying to uh, uh, control the way the sisters dress. Amen. Hollywood controls the way people does things. Now the voice of Hollywood becomes strong. The voice of modern religion becomes strong. And Brother Rand said the voice in the enemy, it tries to deaden the voice of the supernatural. Now watch this. Because everything that says you cannot, it's a lie. Everything that says it's not possible is a lie. Anything contrary to the promise of God upon your life is a lie from the pits of hell. Amen. Now notice this because, amen, now there is times in great men's life where they believe the wrong thing. And great men believe the wrong thing. Great men did the wrong thing. Watch Apostle Peter deny the Lord at the tomb or at the cross. He denied the Lord. Remember that? Amen. But listen, on the day of Pentecost, he received the, the Spirit of God as an abstract title telling God he didn't hold it against him because he received the abstract from God that the sin wasn't held against him. Amen. But the voice of God changed him when he heard that voice. I, I think if there's been no greater uh, example of this when Apostle Paul was killing Christians, walking on the road to uh, Damascus. Amen. And he met a great light. And Paul was a great intellectual man. But when he heard the voice of God, he recognized that his intellectual ways was actually crucifying Jesus Christ afresh. Amen. And the voice of the supernatural. Amen. It actually changed Paul and sent him another way. Oh, the voice of God, what it can do for a person. I think about he that hath an ear, let him hear the voice, the one that changed Paul, the one that changed Peter. I tell you, there's no greater example as of the man Lazarus, amen, who was laying in the tomb four days gone. But when Jesus come and stood by the tomb, the man was already dead. Are you hearing me? It seems like it's too late to hear the voice of God. It seems like it could never happen. But when Jesus came by, amen, no matter the condition, amen, that Lazarus was in, amen, the voice of God had predestinated a place to cause a resurrection in that man. Uh, I'll tell you what, amen, it, it don't get any better than that, does it? Four days in the grave. Everybody's saying it's too late. Everybody's saying corruption has set in. There's no way for him to come out of it. But Jesus had a vision. Amen. And in that vision, Lazarus was going to raise. And the voice of God gave voice to a vision in the face of impossibility. But when Jesus called the man by name, glory to God. Amen. I know he was dead and gone. I know he was in the tomb. But he could hear the voice of God past the tomb. Amen. I was preaching one time on the prophesying over the, the valley of dry bones. And he told, he told Ezekiel, he said, speak. He said, speak to those dry bones. And the Bible said that Ezekiel went up there and said, hear ye, oh dry bones. Hear ye the word of the Lord. I thought, my, I never seen no bones with ears. Amen. But when the word of the God was commanded toward them bones, amen, they didn't even have ears on their body. But God made them hear a power that would take them out of any situation and put life back in them. Oh, I tell you this morning, that same voice is right here in the church of the living God and it's speaking again the names of the bride of Jesus Christ by the preaching of this message. And I, I know you might think it's too late, but it ain't never too late. 
Oh, it ain't never too late. Brother Brown said, Lazarus, it brought a man out of the dead, rotten, who had, it, it ought to go to, he said, now, it brought that man forth after being dead and rotten. He said, what should the voice of God do to the church of the living God? If it would do that for a dead man, what should the voice do for a church that is alive, that is full of the power of God, that is full of the life? He ought to fan the flames of the quickening power of the Holy Ghost. He ought to to charge something on the inside of us. Yes, sir. Amen. Let us hear. Let us hear what the Spirit says under the church. Now, Now, the prophet of God would tell us, of course, then in Revelation chapter 10, it's an evening message. Is that right? Amen. Pulling from Zechariah 14, in the evening time, there shall be light. In Isaiah 60, rise up and shine, for thy light is come. In Revelation 10, it's going to tell the story how a mighty angel come from heaven, the great covenant angel. The covenant of the spoken word. The covenant, the covenant angel of the word of God will come with a book in his hand. And, and he'll be coming as, as a mighty angel, putting foot on the land and sea, bringing everything under his subjection and power by the word of promise. And, and the Bible tells us clearly that John was going to write this. He was going to write these seven thunders. And, and, and the Bible says, John, you seal those things up until the seventh angel sounds. Now, if you're a Bible student, you know that every one of those Old Testament prophets knew something great was coming. And some of them declared it more clearly than others. In Daniel 12, he talked about Michael standing up. Talked about him coming fighting for his people when the books were open, sealing up to the end time. Isn't it amazing that the seven church ages, amen, it has an end. And the seventh is the end. And the seventh angel is the end time prophet. The evening age, the token time, this prophet was going to come, but everything was hinging on this man coming and bringing the revelation, that book, to the church because the word couldn't come lest there be a prophet. That's right. The word couldn't come unless it's a prophet. Now, how are you going to overcome this devil is you've got to accept the word. You've got to hear what the Spirit is saying. Now, we can say in Revelation 3, hear what the Spirit says, and, and a lot of anybody could make up what the Spirit is saying. But it's what it's saying, go to Revelations 10 and read Revelations 10 and hear what the Spirit is saying. It's saying that the word would become open to the church under an Elijah anointing to return it back to its, its original faith. The original power, the, the life that, that struck in the heart of those disciples would live again. The apostolic age would live again. The tree of life would live again. Amen. It would come from, amen, the word of God. Now, if you can hear what the spirit is saying, then then the book is going to be opened and the thunders are going to sound. Now, I know that, I know you're a very taught church and I don't want to get deep in this, so I just want to maybe just make a statement here and then continue, but but many people have made a lot of things out of these thunders and, uh, and I can't help that. I can't help what others have done. That's not, that's not within my, 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 my grip. I, whatever they did, they did. But I, I just want to say what the Spirit says. And the Spirit says that the thunder was the voice of God when the seals opened. And he uses John 12. Brother Branham uses John 12. 
and said, if you wonder what a thunder was, remember when Jesus said, glorify me with the glory I had before the world began. And he said, and a voice spoke out of heaven and said, I have glorified thee and I will glorify thy name again. And when he said that, the Bible said that some heard it thunder, but an angel had spoke. And Brother Bram said, see, it was a voice of God, but to others, of course, it's just a noise. It's just a thunder. Amen. But to him that can hear it, it's the voice of God glorifying the church. Amen. To think of this, Brother Ram says, the thunder is the voice of God when the seal was opened. Now, I know that it's very important because Brother Ram talks a lot about the thunders. And he says to us that it would be the thunders that would bring us faith for rapture and grace. Pretty important then, isn't it? He also says to us, that there had been no manifestation to wake up a bride. Amen. Amen. All the way up until the third seal. He's still saying this. But in the third seal, Brother Adam says to us, it would take those seven unknown thunders to wake up that bride. So we can make a real quick assumption here or togetherness with, uh, to save a lot of reading. The bride's revival and the awakening of the bride is the same thing. And the bride's revival or the awakening of the bride will not be brought on by a lot of persecution. It was brought on by the opening of the seven thunders, which would be the voice of God to the bride church. Do you see what she needed was a voice to wake up that bride. So then we have groups saying, we need those thunders to open. We need those thunders to come. Amen. And they're looking for those things. Well, in 1964, Brother Branham comes around and he says, and recognizing your day in this message, he said, they're fasting and praying for an awakening to come. He said, but what's wrong with them? He said, they feel the pull of the hour being a Christian. He said, but they have missed the awakening of the bride. So somewhere between the third seal and 1964, he's telling us the thunders had already sounded, which was the voice of God to the bride that would awaken her from dead, dark denominational ideas and the traditions of mankind that had bound the church for 2,000 years in the ideas of man. But listen this morning, the word of God has come to loose the church of God, to loose it from every tradition to knock away oh, brother Tim you don't even what you're saying to me this morning amen to knock away every claim he was talking to me on the way to church and I was sitting over quiet as a mouse I bet he was wondering what I was thinking I was thinking if he keeps it up he's going to preach everything I got in my notes amen. <laughs> amen he probably already has a couple times but I'm going to go ahead and preach it anyhow amen but there's no manifestation to steer it up or wake it up so the awakening of the bride Now notice this, because this happens at the same time as the seventh angel. That's why Revelation 3 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Okay, so a lot of people think about this. Knock. They think I knock at the door. Well, then we find out the door is the heart. And then we find out the knock is not this. It's a voice of God. So the voice of God is knocking at the heart of the bride and what's he wanting to do? He's wanting to come into the church 
to reveal the things that have concerning the bride in this last day. There is redemptive rights being released under the preaching of the word in this age. There are things you never thought about that you can do and you can say and you can have until you come to the church of the living God and you started hearing them preach about limbs being restored and the power of the spoken word and how the spirit of God would cast out devils and heal the sick and raise the dead. Who would have ever thought about these things? But all of a sudden, they're not just things out here. They're things begin to be revealed Right in the individual. Now, you think of this because he said he would like to come in to you and the Bible said sup with him and he with me. Now, Brother Branham interprets that sup as to reveal hidden things to you. Now, think about this, to reveal hidden things to you. Now, just real simply, those seven thunders were not something that wasn't written in the Bible. There's something that was written but something hidden. It wasn't something that Paul hadn't put in there. Listen, Brother Brown didn't take us to another gospel, but he brought us to the same gospel that Paul was preaching. This is an original bride church. It's an original message. Now, if Brother Branham would have said something that hadn't already been written, then Paul said we had to curse him. But look what he said. He was telling us that it was things written, but things that were hidden in there and wouldn't be made known until the last days. Now, when he begins to come in there and he starts revealing, now a spiritual food in due season, if you like to read it, he says something that's been hid in the book, whosoever take this word or add one word. So it's a mystery that's been in the book in those seven church ages. Now notice, because when you start having supper with this one, with this one that comes in the heart, that knocks at your heart, the voice of God that's coming in, you're starting to have supper with the voice of God. Now, it's an evening time communion, the Lord's Supper. Now, we have a natural communion, but there is a spiritual communion, a fellowship, and it's, it's actually a beautiful type of when Melchizedek came to Abraham in Genesis 14, and he offered unto Abraham both the wine and the bread serving him communion after a great battle and gave unto him communion typing the communion of the church and the marriage supper. But there's a bit of a spiritual thought laying there in that Melchizedek didn't have a lamb right there. Melchizedek didn't have a lamb. In other words, he wasn't a priest in that nature right then. He was a priest of the host most high God, but he wasn't a priest with a lamb. He was a priest in restoration and in communion. Amen. But in the middle of the Bible, Melchizedek comes and gets his lamb and says, this is the lamb of God. And Jesus Christ, the son of God, the lamb of God, amen, was claimed to be God's only begotten son and the very lamb of our redemption and the blood of our atonement. Now, I want to maybe say something to you in saying this, that it's a very secret food to understand that Jesus Christ was Melchizedek in the flesh. He wasn't just a Jew or a Gentile. It was God, amen, who manifested himself in the flesh and claimed the flesh of Jesus Christ. As Brother Branham will say it in, in future home, he will say that he redeemed that part of the earth so he could from that redeem the rest of the earth. 
In other words, God claimed 16 elements to make it a redemptive work for the bride of Christ. Now, now you're all, you're all uh, well studied enough to know. Amen. The scripture tells us very clearly. Amen. That that secret food of Melchizedek that was going to be coming to the church, going to be revealed in the church, then the voice of Christ would be speaking to her, revealing to her her ordination, where she come from, where she's going, what she's doing. The, the secrets of your eternal life would be coming into the church. Now that secret food becomes as a communion and it begins to move into the flesh as you eat it. As you let the secrets of God be revealed in your heart, your flesh begins to take on its form. As you receive the word, you become the word. As you take in the word, can I say it like this? It starts claiming you. It may be started claiming a little part of your life. And then it claimed another little part. But it starts claiming that until the spirit of God will cap that off and call you a child of God. Now think of this because that claim Amen. Is the very thing that was done to the body of Jesus Christ when he was laying in the tomb and he was dead. Have you ever asked yourself how God proved that was his body? Brother Bram said the cross didn't do it. Many good men had died. His, just his birth didn't do it. He said, but when he resurrected from the dead, it was proof of whose body that was. Amen. You see then God's spirit claimed the body of Jesus to resurrect it and prove whose body it was. Now he's not here claiming the body of Jesus Christ in the physical. He's here claiming the bride body of Jesus Christ and the very spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead has come back upon the church to say that you are not the body of denomination. You are not the body of the world. You are the body of Jesus Christ. Oh my, then the voice of God begins to sound upon that church and begins to claim it. Amen, Revelation 5, the book is open. Revelations 10, uh, closed. Revelations 10, it's open. And when he opens it, he starts calling. He starts calling for his bride to come out of tradition. To come out of hybridization. If you're a Bible studier, you know Revelation chapter 14 speaks of three angels. And the third angel comes flying, saying to the church, you cannot worship God in the image of the beast at the same time. Amen. Now, how many, how many knows that that was the message of William Branham? Amen. You say third angel. Sure, start with Martin Luther, John Wesley, William Branham. That third angel, and what did he do? He called the bride out of denomination. Watch this. That's the same angel in Revelations 18 well, the Bible says that an angel comes down from heaven and lights the earth with his glory and a voice in the fourth verse sounds out and says, come out of her, my people, and be not partakers of her. See, that voice is calling the bride out of denomination and claiming that bride for the work of the Spirit in the last day. Let me ask you something. Why hadn't the Spirit been working the whole time? It was poured out 2,000 years ago, but it's been barred out. It's been pushed out. It's been creeded out. Doctrines have pushed Christ on the outside of the church, but a prophet of God has called the bride to come out of the church and come back 
into the manifestation of the Spirit of God to loose them from everything the enemy had pulled them into. Now, in Revelations 18, this is an angel of light calling the church, calling them to come out. Now, you might think it's odd that I would call this the seventh angel because the Bible says to us that it sounded from heaven, a voice sounded from heaven. But Brother Branham said it's simple. He said the angel on earth, he said when he sounded his message, it was so recognized in heaven until they echoed it back from heaven what he was saying on the earth. This message is recognized in heaven and on earth as the voice of God. This voice is a voice of illumination and enlightenment. God didn't come to leave you in darkness. He come to enlighten you, to come to illuminate you. Now, now I, I, I want you to stay with me a moment. That voice is coming into your heart to reveal to you. The voice is coming into your heart to illuminate you, to make you full of light. Now notice because in Ephesians 1, this is Paul's own prayer. He says, I pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know the hope of the calling, the riches of the glory, and the inheritance in saints. And to what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the work of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his right hand in heavenly places far above. Principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in the world, but also which is to come. And he hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Now watch Paul tie together the spirit of wisdom and revelation with the resurrection power. This was not a man who believed in intellectuals that would just tell you something about the scripture, but he connected it with the resurrection power. Look what he does. If you, if you read Ephesians 1, you're basically reading Revelations 3 when the scripture says that you should share the throne of Christ. And here Paul is saying, when your eyes are opened, you will see that you're connected to Christ who sets above everything, who everything is, is beneath him and under his feet. And he's saying over in Revelations 3, when Christ comes into your heart and he illuminates your life, then you're going to see that you're not just another person. You're going to see that you're not just subject to the devil. You're going to start seeing that you were a son or daughter of God to begin with and that Satan has tried his best to put some kind of a claim upon your life, but he has no right. You know, I was just thinking here the other day, I was thinking about how that the devil tried to actually give, he tried to actually give the earth to Jesus and, and instead of him dying for it. And you know how Brother Bram teaches us that, that Jesus wouldn't accept that. He wouldn't let that happen. And, 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 and he actually died and gave his blood so that he wouldn't have to accept it as a gift from the devil because he didn't want your sin returning at the time he was planning to claim his own throne. Can you imagine Jesus showing up to claim the bride body and Satan run around saying, amen, you can't, you can't give him that anointing. You can't place your spirit in his life because of this back here and because of this over here and this over here. Jesus knew who he was picking to begin with. 
Amen. Jesus knew how rotten of a rascal you was going to be to begin with. Jesus don't know the you the world knows. He knows the real you. Amen. He knows everything about you. He knows everything you thought and where you come from. He did not die to redeem them that are perfect. He redeemed them that were lost to make them perfect by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, I say that to you this morning, then I can also say that by the power of the blood, then Satan does not have one legal right with you this morning. He's only doing it because our unbelief permits him to do it. Now, Satan actually has no claim on you at all. Now, I know I'm making some testimonies this morning about you as the bride of Christ, and they're completely not true without the blood. Everything that I'm saying about you is not true without the blood. But even in the Old Testament, when Moses put the word in the, in the third realm, and he placed the word in the holies of holies, he put the blood on that word. He put the blood on that Ark of the Covenant because it was the testimony of God. And now the church, God is saying things about you that are not even true without the blood. But because of the blood, I can stand here this morning and say everything the devil says about you is a lie and everything God says is the truth. Amen. It's a different point of view. It's a different way of looking at the people. I'm not looking at you through my ability. I'm looking at you through the blood. I got to preaching on the cross one time. I got to thinking about the blood. and I, I, I Sometimes I used to run, not much anymore, but I used to run, get sweat in my eyes. And you couldn't hardly see nothing, that salt running in your eyes. And I got to thinking about that. I got to thinking about Jesus being on the cross and when he was dying, that that blood started dripping into those eyes. And I got to thinking when he was looking at the, at the crowd, he was not looking at them with clear eyes. He was looking at them through the blood and the sins of the people through the blood of Jesus Christ. He said, turned out to be pure as lily or pure as white as snow. Though thy sins be as crimson, they shall be white as snow. The book of Isaiah. Do you see then, it's according to how you're looking at things. Now, Christ is saying that Satan has no legal rights. Do you know, do you know that you're actually one of the three thrones of Almighty God? First throne in heaven, second throne in Christ. The third throne is actually in the bride. He becomes the Lord. He becomes the God, the king of our lives. Now, I, I understand that Satan would like to return to you and say to you, oh my, the, you know, this is here and that's there and this is, this is, this is a part of your life. And, 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 but you know, I'm kind of one of those guys that, I guess maybe I probably should be quiet sometimes when I don't, but I just like to kind of speak back sometimes. And you know what? I mean, if you hear somebody say something really good and you're not that sharp, you know, and you're around somebody later and they say something, you, you'll borrow a little of what somebody else said, you know. And whenever I start arguing with the devil, I just start borrowing things I heard Brother Bram say. Real, real good things Brother Bram said. I just borrow and begin to say them back. And you know, Sometimes you've heard this when the devil tells you about your past, tell him about his future. Well, it takes a new light when you start hearing what Brother Bram said about the devil's future. Some time ago, I know Brother Timothy probably told you, but I was actually studying and, and come across the quote, and I was looking into the annihilation of our accuser. 
and, the, and what the power of the blood actually does in the future of our lives and how far does it really go in annihilation. And I got to look at this and it was odd because Brother Branham begins to preach and he pulls up a scripture and he says, the soul that sinneth shall die. And immediately he takes it over to the devil and he actually says of our enemy, the devil, he says that, uh, he actually says, amen, that this devil has a future. And I, I want to read this about in the fourth seal here. I want to read this from the fourth seal first. And Brother Bam will say this. He'll say, now, uh, they were gods. And if you become born in the family name, you're a son of God or a part of your father. Then when sin come in, we found out the man crossed the chasm and the blood of bulls and goats covered, but did not remit. But until the bleach came and took that stain of sin and broke it completely to pieces and send it back upon the original perverter that was Satan, when it got back to Satan, he waits his time of eternal annihilation. Now that shows what we believe. We believe will, uh, that shows what we believe. We believe that he will absolutely be done completely away. He will be annihilated. Amen. And, and I, I read that and then listen to what Brother Bram says. He says, see, I believe sin will be so broke up. That when it's confessed upon the basis of the blood of Christ, it's like dropping a drop of black ink into a bunch of Clorox. It breaks its chemicals and sends it back to where it come from. And that's the way the blood of Jesus Christ does. It sets a man across the chasm. And then he says, see, then he becomes, and the creative power of God that's in him, whenever, he, whenever God can command it to be done, it'll be done and we get back. Now, he's trying to tell us that under the power of the blood that the sin is completely done away with, but he's going to transfer that sin back to the one that was the originator of the sin. God has the power to put the sin back on the one that caused it. I think it's amazing. That bit Calvary. Brother Bram says, I believe that there is a complete annihilation of that soul that sins. For the Bible said, the soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. Not the man, the soul sinner. Soul, Satan must surely die to be completely destroyed. How I disagree with the universe that says Satan will be saved. He sinned. He is the originator of sin. And his soul sinned. And he was a spirit. That spirit will be totally annihilated until nothing will be left of it. Now, I want you to think about this a minute. There is a time when Satan, there will be nothing left of it at all. Now think about this because everything that he's saying to you, he's trying to bring it is as an original truth. But nothing Satan has ever said about you is an original truth. He come after, amen, and started perverting the things that God did originally. But someday... God will totally take away every bit of the hybrid of Satan and restore the world and the people back unto the original word. Let me tell you, that devil is annihilated. I, I told Brother Timothy, I said, I, I read this in my study. I was studying it, and when I did, there was a spirit run right across the room, and I just started laughing. I said, that's right, devil. You can run, but you can't hide. Amen, you can, you can come against this bride, and you can talk about her, and you can ridicule her, and you can haunt her, and you can try your best, amen, but it's never gonna change the fact the devil's a liar. It's not gonna change the fact, amen, that he's always lying, and that God is going to completely annihilate him one day until nothing is left of him at all. I want you to know this morning, there is a day that devils die. 
Amen. Amen. The prophet of God said, Satan is, is, is powerless for a thousand year millennium. Is that right? He said, because he don't have anything to work through. He said, but at the end of that millennium, he'll be raised up. He said, and there'll be one last camp meeting. I said, oh my, I'd like to be in that camp meeting. You talk about a camp meeting of all, of all camp meetings. Amen. The devil's going to resurrect everything he has and come against the church of the living God only to die. Do you see God? is annihilating that devil once and for all. But he's already annihilating him in your life. Oh, I thank God this morning that the Spirit of God is taking possession of a church, annihilating every sin, calling this bride the anointed bride of Jesus Christ. And the prophet of God will say this, there's got to come a time forth when he would express himself in the fullness of the Godhead deity through the church. Had the preeminence in his church, the anointed man, now the anointed people. Oh my, to bring back the anointed bride and bridegroom. Anointed by accepting what Eve turned down. My, the anointing of God coming upon the church in the Messiah. Brother Man will say, when he comes upon the church in the last days, what will it be? A pulled out group. A group of people anointed with the Spirit of God. They will be Messiahs. They'll be anointed ones. Anointed ones. And if the Spirit is in them, they'll do the things that he did. Isn't that right? Now, I think it's important you catch something here. She's already anointed. This bride's not going to be. She's already anointed. She is actually already anointed. His bride is the anointed one for the last days. And it's already raised with him in resurrection. These two are one. My, when I think about it this morning, we look at you, and I know that you can see all the problems of one another, and, and, and I appreciate that, that there's good vision, but let me say this to you. You don't want to start a carnal view of your church or your pastor or your life or anything else because carnality will destroy you. It's an enemy done to God. Amen. And I, I will say this though. Amen. That if you, if, you can, if you can get the right kind of view of things, it changes everything. Uh, let, me, let me just put it to you like this. Uh, there, there's mirrors. And of course, Brother Adam tells us that a prophet is a mirror. The word of God is a mirror. Uh, it matters how you look into the mirror according to what you walk away with. Now, in your, in your human, I, I thought it was pretty funny. I was thinking about this quote specifically. And, and I was thinking about, you know, sometimes I never hardly wake up in the morning, walk up to the, the mirror and say, well, there's a Messiah standing there. You know, you don't usually just run over and say, hey, uh, Sister Karen, come look right here in the mirror. There's a Messiah standing here. I know which one of y'all done that this morning. See, because that mirror doesn't reflect anything but your human and in the body you're looking at look at all the things that's reflected back at you those days in the world those days and those lives it's all reflected back in that mirror because it's being held in that flesh but think about this what if there was a different kind of mirror what if there was a different view that you could look in and not see the human but you could see the reality of what God made you and I thought about this. I thought about, amen, isn't it something that you can see something in the word of God and you can see where a prophet can say that they can do all things, that there's nothing impossible. She is the anointed bride. And you know what you'll do? You'll actually go and preach it 
or you'll call somebody to come and read it and you'll say, look right here and see what he said about me. Because you're looking at different view at the same person, but a different kind of mirror. And I'll tell you this morning, the prophet of God said, you give me a church that's so anointed with God until their every action and every move is thus saith the Lord. In the Shekinah glory, I will show you a Messiah. You show me a church, I'll show you a Messiah. Look at the way the prophet could change. You're seeing a church, he's seeing a Messiah. He wasn't seeing just the human. He was seeing what God made the church. I'll tell you this morning that there is a, there is a life that is behind the veil that a prophet could view and it would speak of it from the word. Now, now this morning, you all know the stories of Balak and Balaam, and I don't have time to get into all that, but I do know this. I do know that Balak tried to hire Balaam to keep the church of God out of the promises. And he actually tried to hire him to curse the children of God. Well, he should have, he should have read the covenant to Abraham because whoever curses is cursed, and whoever blesses is blessed. But see... You can start looking at a blessed person from a certain angle and believe you can curse them. And Balak believed that he could get Balaam looking at a certain view of that bunch of holy rollers down there that he could actually begin to curse them. But Balak, amen, didn't realize that God would never curse Israel because he was looking at them from a different view. Now remember when Balaam went in and made offerings and sacrifices, he'd come back and he said, amen, that God wouldn't allow him to curse those people. He wouldn't allow him to curse them because he's already blessed them. So it doesn't matter how you view, it matters how God views. Now when God began to view, Brother Bram said this, he says that Balaam and Balak couldn't see the water from the rock. See, they couldn't see the smitten rock. They could see the problem, but they couldn't see the atonement. God smote that rock because of the, of the people and, and the condition they were in. God saw the condition, but he smote the rock so that God could give them something in their condition. God saw the condition, but he gave an answer to it. Do you see what he done? Amen, the condition. They were speaking against the prophet and God saw the condition, but he gave a brazen serpent to take away what was caused by their own condition. Now, Balaam wasn't able to see that. Balak wasn't able to see it. Brother Bram said he wasn't able to see the pillar of fire. And to think this morning, where is that pillar of fire? Brother Bram said it was right behind the skins of the bride of Christ. Where is that pillar of fire this morning? It's actually behind the skin of of the bride of Jesus Christ. Now this morning, I realize that this message claims, this message, it influences, this message identifies. The message of the hour does all of these things under the bride of Christ. And it claims a part of your life for something. I, I want to share a little testimony happened to me back up in July. I was up at Brother, uh, I was up at Brother Matt Morse's uh, speaking there during that 4th of July time. And we went over to a little picnic and... Um, and there was a lady there who was an apostolic lady, and she just started coming to church. Brother Matt's there, and I started talking to her. And, and when I started talking, I, I thought she was just apostolic, and you didn't know about the message or anything. Well, I asked her, I said, well, where are you from? She said, well, I'm from Carlsbad, New Mexico. Well, she was about 75 years old or so, and her and her husband sitting there. I said, originally from Carlsbad, New Mexico. Well, I said to Brother Matt sitting there, I said, well, hey, 
That's well, Brother Branham actually preached a, a message, turned on the light from Carlsbad, and held meetings in Carlsbad. And uh, when the lady heard me say Brother Branham, she said, you're talking about William Branham? And I said, yeah, Brother Branham. She said, well, she said, I was actually in his meetings when I was about five years old. And I said, really? You were in Brother Branham's meetings? She said, yes. She said, I said, well, you was awful young. Do you actually remember that? She said, oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember it very well. And I said, you remember that from the time you... She said, yeah, I remember it. She said, but there was one specific thing I remember. And she said, what I remember about it was, she said that, that there was a girl, and I think she said she was close to 18 years old. I got the, uh, the testimony recorded. But I think she's about 18 years old. She had never spoke in her life. She couldn't speak. She couldn't hear. And they brought her to the meeting. said, well, Brother Branham brought her up before the crowd. And she said, now, she's from her hometown. So they were family friends. She knew the family was friends with her older uh, siblings. And she said that she, Brother Brown brought her up in the prayer line and said stood her out in front of the people and, and put her in front of him. And while she was in front of him, he began to pray over her and, and, and commanded that deaf spirit to leave her. Well, when the deaf spirit began to leave her, she said Brother Brown done the oddest thing. Said he took the mic and put the little girl in front of him where she couldn't see him and said she, he reached the mic around put in front of the little girl he said then he whispered in her ear and he said I could I could hear it so I was pretty close she said he said say mama and she said I never will forget that when that little girl how she said the word she said mama just real just mama she said first word she'd ever said in her life she said I will never forget that brother Wayne and I thought well isn't that so odd and and, and so we went back home started studying it well, when we did, Brother Branham actually does that a lot on tape. He does it in Chicago, different places. And in it, Brother Branham says, he said, I didn't find that specific place, but I found other places. And he says that what it is, he says that the hearing and the speaking nerves are actually tied together. And he said that if a person can't hear, they generally can't speak. He said, now what it is is there's a nerve. Now you all, you all heard Brother Ram explain. He said if an if a ear problem, he said if it was a bone or something, he said a surgery could fix it. He said, but because there's actually nothing wrong with the bone, there's nothing in there wrong. He said there's a nerve, he said, which a devil will clamp off that nerve of hearing. He said it's just like you put an invisible band around your hand. He said, the vessels is there, the blood is all there. He said, but when you start tightening it up, the hand will start turning colors and, and it'll start dying. He said, there's nothing wrong with the hand. There's nothing wrong with the blood. It's just there is something cutting off the life source. He said, now, that invisible band he's describing is the spirit. He said, and the spirit was cutting off the hearing unto that little girl. But when he rebuked the spirit, the child could hear. And if the child could hear, the child could speak. Now, what did it speak? It spoke the only thing it heard. It said the word mama, but because it had only heard the word mama, it said the word mama. Later, Brother Branham actually said, because I don't have a hearing test, he said, then to prove to the people that the spirit has left the child, he said, I will make them say something to prove the hearing has returned. Well, of course, as a preacher, when I heard that, I said, now I know what's wrong with so many thoughts. I know why I hear the things that I, uh, people say, well, there's no move and there's no power left in the bride and there's no, no manifestations and there's no, if you, I don't know if you ever heard anything like that, but you hear that a lot these days and I, I always wondered what was wrong, but now I understand that people can only say what they hear. 
Amen. And spirits will get involved in the hearing and begin to constrict and, and, and to bow down. In other words, people will listen to the same tape you're listening to, but they won't hear that tape. They won't hear the things the prophet of God said. He said, but if we would open up our heart, amen, and let the spirit come into us, amen, that we would be able to say the things that a prophet of God would have to say. When I say that today, I realize this. I realize that people speak the way they speak because of the things they hear. And I pray today, let us have an ear to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. Don't let my confession be different than the confession of a prophet of God. People say, Brother Wayne, how can you say that the bride of Christ is omnipotent? Because William Branham said, the bride of Christ, amen, if she will surrender to God, she's omnipotent. How can you say that there's no claim against the bride at all? Because Brother Branham said there's no claim against the bride at all. How can you say and look at the church and look at all the problems and say to the church that God don't have one sin against you at all? How can you say that? Because I heard the prophet of God say that. How can you stand there and begin to tell the church that all things are possible to them that believe? Because I heard the prophet of God say that. If you can hear it, you can say it. If you can hear the word speak to you, you've got a right to say whatever that word said. Now, I got, to, I got to say this to you today because I realize this. I realize that you, you can hear this message and then you can get under an influence and they can begin to tear away from that inf- the things you hear and they can begin to try to control the way you hear. Amen. But I, I say this because in this very testimony, that little girl who heard and spoke for the first time in 18 years went home and started telling her parents about this miracle. Can you imagine a child speaking for the first time and her parents being unbelievers said, you're making it up. There ain't no such a thing. You, 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 you could speak the whole time. You were just faking. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that kind of miracle happening in a life and people saying that it's not real. It's nothing happening. There's nothing to it. Can, can you imagine? And you know what happened? That little girl began to listen to her own family. And that woman, 75-year-old, told me something I don't understand, Brother Wayne. Weeks later, she said that little girl lost her ability to speak and hear. Amen. She said, do you have any idea what happened? I said, I do. The prophet of God moved that spirit off of her. But he should have held her confession. She should have confessed. And when that devil come back, she should have said, devil, you're a liar. Amen. You, You have nothing to do with me. Listen, God can come in a meeting and he can deliver you and give you authority. He can fill you with anointing. He can charge that demon to get back off of you. But if you leave this building and go out here and say nothing happened to Today. That was just emotion. That was nothing coming from God. Do you, do you know that spirit will circle right back and it'll begin to haunt you? And if you'll lay there in fellowship with it, it'll stay with you for weeks until it takes possession again. But let me tell you something this morning. You have a right this morning to tell that devil, I'm not going back there. Amen. God did a work in my life. Listen to me this morning. Don't give up your confession. Don't you do it. You said, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying that Joshua went into the land 
And the book of Joshua is nothing more than a book of confession of what Moses said they could have. And when Joshua went in that land, every giant rose up and said, you can't have that land, and you can't have that land, and you can't have that land. And had they listened to those giants, they would have had to go back across the river and join the wilderness journey. But let me tell you this morning, there was a Joshua there. And he knew where he was. He knew what belonged to him. He was already anointed with God. And when the battle got hot, amen, he knew exactly what he was able to do. And let me tell you this morning, the church of the living God, you've got a right to stand against every devil that says it don't belong to you. Every redemptive right that God has given you, you have a right to this morning. I don't believe we ought to let anybody rob us of anything. Now, can I say this? Paul said this from Hebrews chapter 3, and he said, let us, let us partake of the heavenly call and consider the high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Let us consider the high priest of our profession. Hebrews 4, Paul says this. He says, Jesus passing into the heaven, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. Let us hold fast our profession. Who wrote that? Paul wrote that. Can you imagine, Paul, while you're floating on a, on a driftwood in the middle of a shipwreck, amen, because of your testimony, got you out there floating on a stick in the middle of an ocean and looking like you're forsaken and looking like you're not going nowhere, but you're going down and you're going to die. One of them probably, one of them, one of them uh, jailbirds looks over at Paul and said, what do you think about it now? But Paul said, don't change your confession. It don't matter what condition you're in, don't you change your confession. It don't matter what the devil has thrown at you, don't you change your confession. Hold fast to your profession of faith. The snake reached out and bit him. What Paul do? He didn't change. He didn't say, oh no, I, I'm going to fall apart now. He shouldn't have snaked back in the fire. Listen this morning. You don't have to just take what the devil shows you or what the devil throws at you. Amen. Come on, Paul. Let's go to the chopping block. Let's put your head on the chopping block. What do you think about Jesus now? What do you think about this message now? You know what Paul did? Paul turned around and looked right in the face of his enemy and said, Oh, death, where is thy sting? And grave, where is thy victory? You know why he could do that? Because Paul knew exactly where he was standing in the word of God. And this morning I think it's time for the bride of Christ to challenge the devil that is challenging her sitting there this morning things challenging your life you don't have to sit there and accept that you don't have to sit there and say well this because this has come up then what they said must not be true and I must not be who I thought I was and this you don't have to accept that you've got a confession from the word of God You've got something that God has given you. I know we're, we're in the middle of COVID. I, I realize that people teach everything and people are sick and, and devils are saying everything about the people. But let me tell you this. The confession of our faith don't change one ounce under any condition whatsoever is thrown at us. Now, can I, can I say this to you? If you can hear it, you can say it. If you can hear it, you can say it. If you can catch it, you can say it. That's why Paul said in Romans 10, the word of faith which we preach is nigh thee even in thy mouth. Do you recognize why you're hearing the word this morning? If you catch a word, it becomes a word of faith. Amen, just a little word minister to you in the middle of a meeting. It becomes a word of faith. How many people has left church with a word of faith? 
You come in the house of God and maybe something's trying to take over your life and all of a sudden you reach out and catch something and it becomes a word of faith. Well, you've got to remember that word of faith is given to you for a reason because that's going to be your weapon. That's going to be what you're going to get out of the trouble with. That's what you're, amen, God didn't say you wasn't going to get into something. He said, I'm going to give you something to overcome it. I'm going to give you something to get out of it. Amen, it's a word of faith which we preach. Now, if that word of faith is preached and you catch it in a believer, now I'll not be too much longer. But you catch that word of faith in there. Now, listen, what happens to believers, what happens to people is they get into shells. They actually get into shells. Anybody ever been there? In the middle of this, all this junk's going on, this COVID thing, people staying by themselves and they're getting along and they're, they're, they're not in fellowship and, and things, are, things are rough on some people. Some of the young people, I understand, there's things that are way different and everything, 2020 caused things to be different, but God ain't different. And people start getting into this shell and, and, and the next thing you know, they begin to believe there's no way out of it. They begin to believe that what they're, what they're imagining what they're hearing from the enemy, what they're accepting, what they're thinking. They begin to think that is the reality. Amen, but it's nothing but a shell that is trying to block the power of the resurrection away from your life. And if you get yourself in that kind of place, do you not realize you can get out of that? You don't have to just lay down and say, that's the way it is. You've got a right this morning as the bride of Jesus Christ to say to this, this, this thing that's in front of you, amen, that this will not stand in the face of the word of God. I'll tell you this, amen, that if you just begin to, you can break any wall. You can tear down any opposition. You can destroy any enemy with the word of God. That is actually in your mouth. If you can hear it, you can speak it. If you can get it in you. Now, I, I think sometimes that sometimes we, we get weary. We get tired. And we say, Brother Wayne, I've already tried that. I've, I've spoke the word of God and I've professed the word of God. You get, you get a little weary with it. But let me tell you something. The Bible talks about Daniel in the Bible. And he prayed to the Lord. Do you know he was exactly 21 days before he ever even got an answer? He was 21 days before the Lord answered his prayer. But think about this. Amen. I always wonder why Brother Bram used a chicken egg. But do you know that when a chicken is coming out of an egg, that there's a 21-day hatch period? That that chicken has to begin to beat on that egg. And you know what? He's got to make up his mind that he's going to come out of that. Amen. Let me say something to you this morning. Amen. You've got to make up your mind you're going to come out of it. You've got to make up your mind that I have what it takes and I'm coming out of this. You've got to let the Spirit speak in your heart that I am a child of God. I do not belong in this situation. This Spirit is not supposed to be my home. I will not, I will not allow myself to be blocked off from the power of God. Amen. And watch, when that word begins to generate in that heart, you can begin to speak the word of God, which is of thus saith the Lord. And the prophet of God said, it's like a little eagle or a chicken pecking on uh, like he's pecking on the shell now now if you go and read a little bit you'll find out something that when a, when a chicken is pecking inside a shell do you know that you can't help him 
Do you know you can't actually break the shell for him? You know you can't actually help that little chicken? He has to come out of it on his own. He's got to make up his mind that life is worth it. I've got to live. There's life outside the shell. Let me tell you this morning, there is life outside of discouragement. There is life outside of nervousness. There is life outside of drugs and addictions and alcohol. There is life and life abundant. Let me say to you this morning, there is power in the word of God that is spoken by the lips of a believer. And when you begin to speak, amen, look at this. I can't put nothing in you that ain't already in you. When the prophet of God talks about him coming out of that shell, what he needs is already in him. Amen. How he gets out of there. Y'all know how he gets out. He gets out through his mouth, right? He actually pecks his way out of that shell. He actually peeps his way. And the prophet of God typed that to a believer taking the word and peeping his way out of the situation and speaking against it until it has to move. And let me say this. If you'll take that word and you'll just keep pressing and you'll just keep speaking that word, after a while, a little crack will come in it and a little daylight will start and then a little bigger hole will come. And if you will just keep it up after a little while, there'll be a room enough that you can take a step outside of whatever that is on the, amen, that's trying to circle you in. What am I talking about? I'm talking about coming out of it. I'm talking about breaking out of it. I'm talking about a breakout this morning. A breakout. Break out of the thing. Whatever it is, just break out of it. Say, I'm not going to stay here no more. I'm not going to be bound here no more. I'm coming out. And I'm doing it today. They say, oh, preacher, hey man, you ain't talking about nothing but a bunch of words. Well, let me tell you this. The prophet of God said, if you get the word, the world bred out of you, that you'll say what you want and it'll happen. If you get the word, the world bred out, get the world out of you. Get back to a, a pure, a pure religion. Get back to, get away from that hybrid and get the pure word of God. Hey man, you'll break out of anything with it. Hey man, let me, let me say this. Did Samson do it? Did Samson, he was already anointed to kill Philistines. He was already anointed. So when he come to that jawbone of that mule and he picked that mule bone up, he was already anointed to do it. So he started beating down Philistines. He beat down a thousand Philistines with that jawbone. Amen. It wasn't the jawbone of a hybrid. It was the jawbone of a purebred animal because it represented, amen, an anointed people in the last days that with their mouth they shall overcome every devil that stands before them. I'll tell you this, if Samson could kill a thousand Philistines with his jawbone, what about the church of the living God, the pure mouth of the bride of Jesus Christ speaking the word of God over every situation, over every devil, over every trial tear down every wall I know I know it sounds crazy but let me tell you this to every Goliath there's a rock amen to every wall there's a Joshua to every situation there's a way out and there's a way to break out of that this morning there's a way and you've got to speak it out there you've got to place the word of God on your lips and say Satan get out of me get out of the front of me I curse you in the name of Jesus Christ Brother Wayne, you're going crazy. No, I'm not. It's time for the bride of Christ to actually recognize the power of the word. 
Recognize the power of the word that's in her. You can speak. Now, when you say that, there's a whole group now saying that there's no more prayer lines and there's no more of the move of God. And because if you preach about the spoken word, then all of a sudden they think that means there's no spiritual manifestation of like a prayer line. I, I asked Brother Tim this morning, I said, well, what does people think that we're doing in those prayer lines? Waving feathers over somebody? Now, there's a lot of you come through prayer lines. A lot of our group there in True Word Tabernacle comes through prayer lines. Ain't nobody waving feathers over nobody. Amen. The Word of God is spoken over lives. The Word of God is spoken over hearts. You know, you know just, just this last Sunday, Brother Timothy came up to the church, and I'll tell you what, what a powerful preacher. Man, golly, the Spirit of God moved. What, a, what an anointing. I probably wasn't proper English to say that like that, but forgive me. Uh, the hillbilly's coming out. The Spirit of God used him mightily. Mightily. We heard him, we heard him give a testimony of when I was here a long time ago. And, well, just, I, uh, did I see you? Yeah, right there. Wave your hand. Yeah. Transformed. He gave testimony about the night you came in. Well, you know what's amazing is we have a Justin in our church. And he's been out in the, I can't say that he's not been in church like he should be in the last while. And you know what? When Brother Timothy gave that, I don't even know if he knew that we had a Justin that was needing to get some things right or get a touch from the Lord. But when he gave that testimony, it wasn't long, and Justin's mama come up there. And she couldn't even talk to us. She's held up two fingers like this. Well, I knew what the two fingers were. It was a son and a daughter-in-law. And, and when she did that, there was something coming to my heart powerful because you know what I did? Two nights prior to that, the Lord gave me a dream about the, her daughter-in-law and showed me she was at the church and she was singing a song. And in the song she was singing, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And she was singing that song when that mother-in-law come up there. I said, sis... I said, let me tell you a dream I just had. And in the dream, the girl was singing the song. And while she was singing the song, I fell into intercessory prayer. It's right in the church. Just fell out in the dream. Fell in intercessory prayer. And the Spirit of God just kept moving through me. I told her this dream. Brother Timothy's standing right here, and I'm talking to this girl. The brother was leading the songs about as far as from here back there to the exit door. He's on the other side of the sanctuary. And when I told the dream... The brother changed the song from what he was singing and started playing the song, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. When they began to sing the song, the spirit of intercessory just fell right in me. And literally, I couldn't even stand on my feet for the power of prayer that come into me. You know what it was? Because God's fisting to do something with some lives. Amen. He's fisting to do something with some lives. And that, that isn't just a prayer line, but there's some words being spoken. And those are words of faith. And I'm speaking them words right now. I'm putting them out in the air for a purpose. Because my confession of faith says they're going to come home. Amen. That everything that has happened will disappear. That the spirit will be annihilated. Amen. And I'm saying that this morning. That things that's going on in life seem like. It seems like it's completely beyond the possibility in the realm. But I'm telling you this morning. You are more than a human being. 
You're a child of the living God. And everything that's before you, you can actually take the word of God and command it to get out of your way. Listen, you don't have to cry this morning. You speak the word of God. As a David, destroy your time. As a Joshua, tear down your wall. You've got a right this morning. You've got a right to make a claim on your family. You've got a right to make a claim on your healing. You've got a right to make a claim on your freedom. If you're sitting here this morning and you're fighting the spirit and it keeps saying to you, you're never gonna come out of it, you ought to stand to your feet right now and you ought to say, I'm coming out of this. There's a spirit that's saying to you, you're not going to be able to come and be delivered. You ought to stand up and say, I'm going to be delivered right here today. I'm not going to allow the spirit. I'm not going to allow it. It's a spirit of unbelief and it's trying to hinder your life. And I'm telling you in the name of the Lord, it is the time for you to say to that devil, I do not believe you, Satan. I do not believe that you control my life. I do not believe that I was put here for your spirit. I'm a child of God. I was put here for this message. I was put here to serve the Lord. Yes, sir. There's a breakthrough right there. There's somebody breaking through something. Amen. What about you? Hadn't you been wanting that victory over that thing? Hadn't you been wanting that spirit of depression just to leave you? Amen. Won't you just begin to talk to it right now and say, Satan, you got no rights with me. You got no rights in my life. Won't you tell that lust devil right now? Amen. You've took all the nights you're going to take from me. You've took all the hours. You've hurt my family. All you're going to do in the name of Jesus Christ, I curse that devil by the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Somebody reach out in the realm of faith right now and say, Satan, you're a liar. Reach out in that realm of faith. He's saying to you, you're never going to get your miracle. He's saying it right now. You're not, it's not for you. You're never going to get the miracle. And you know what you ought to do? Take that word of faith and say the miracle is already on its way. The preacher, come and do it for me. I can't do it for you. And the mama chicken can't do it for the baby chicken. But you know what that she can do? She can create an atmosphere that'll keep that baby alive until it can get itself out of that situation. And I believe today that there's some mama eagles in this place. There's some daddy eagles. And we ought to keep the anointing of God alive until every child of God is able to bring themselves out. Hallelujah. It's your turn. Can our musicians come this morning? Amen. It's your turn. It's your turn. Brother Wayne, I can't do it. It's, it's not for me. You might not be a David. Can I call you an Esther? We got any Esthers in here? We got any Esthers in here? We do have an Esther in here, don't we? Amen. It's for such a time as this you have come into the kingdom. And I know every devil is against you, but let me be a Mordecai to you. Amen. Let me tell you this, that if you'll just go in the presence of God and take the throne of grace boldly, there's a power that you can ask half of what the kingdom of God is. Somebody said, well, Brother Wayne, it's just too late. We got any Marthas in here? Have we got any Marthas? Amen. How about you? Are you a Martha? Is there somebody, somebody turn around and looks at where's Martha at? 
She thinks it's too late. Let me tell you, Jesus is coming by. It's never too late. I don't care how bad it is. I don't care the situation. It's never too late. It's never too late. Oh, you may think I'm crazy. I'm not crazy. I know where I'm standing. We're the children of God. We possess the power of God. Every demon has been defeated. Every devil has been overcome. You are the freeborn church of the living God. You got every right to do it this morning. Oh, I didn't mean I didn't want to get into this, but I tell you why I can't help it. It's something coming out of me. It's something, I didn't mean to get into this portion, but that's something coming out of me saying I can't help this saying this. I hear something saying I got to say it. It's a turning point for your life. I read over it this morning. Said I'm not going to get into this, brother Tim. It's a turning point. There is something happening in this building this morning. I believe that God is turning something around. I believe that. I'm not trying to be Pentecostal. I'm trying to tell you there's something pulsating in my heart to believe that God is turning around the situation. Maybe it's right there in our home church. Maybe it's somewhere on the line out there. But I believe this. I believe that there's a turning point to every situation. I really believe from my heart. Did it become a word of faith for you this morning? Did you turn and look at that devil and say, devil, I know how it's been, but it won't be that way no more. It won't be that way no more. It's a turning point right here today. God bless you. Here she comes. She's ready to turn it. It's a turning point. Are you ready? How about up there? Are you ready for a turning point? Have you given enough already to it? Have you, have you, stayed, have you stayed silent long enough? Have you, laid, have you laid silent while the devil has carried away your confession? While he's carried away your, your joy and your peace? And you just laid there quiet and let him take it all. But listen this morning, it's time to remember you're the children of God. And we won't lay, we won't lay silent anymore. We are the final voice to a final age. And it's time for her to speak up and say, Satan, you can't have our children. Satan, you can't have our families. You can't have our churches. You can't have our services. We're going to tear down every gate. We're going to tear down every wall until the power of God drops into every meeting. power of the spoken word. I believe we speak over them. I believe in the power of prayer. I believe in the power of anointing. But I don't believe in just sitting there and not doing nothing about it. I don't believe in sitting still and letting the devil rob you of your joy and of your life and of your fellowship and of your communion and the grace of God. I don't believe in just laying there and doing nothing. I believe you ought to get up Amen. And get about the Father's business. And if there's a devil in your way, defeat that devil this morning. And say, well, I'll tell you this. Amen. I'm just not going to lay here. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm not going to lay here and take this. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to lay here anymore. 
Satan wants a fight, okay, there's a fight on his hands. He may take my head, but he's got it to do. There's some people of God in here right now. I can feel the, I can feel the faith. I can feel the faith of God moving in this place. Are you ready? Are you ready to come out of it? Are you ready to break out of it? Oh, break out of it. Too many dark days. Too many dark hours. Too many dark thoughts. Break out of it. Don't let it become your life. Don't let it become your life.
Was lost.